Welcome to the One Life Maps podcast. Here's your host and co-author of Listen to My Life, maps for recognizing and responding to God in my story, Sharon Swing. Greetings. Welcome back to the One Life Maps podcast. This is Sharon Swing, and around the table today I have with me Joan Kelly, our Director of Facilitator Development for One Life Maps. Hi, everybody. And our dear friend, Jean Masukovich. Hello. So glad you're here. Thanks so much. Thank you. Now, Jean is a friend and actually co-founder of So That, along with Lori Proctor. Now, a few episodes back, we talked about trauma with with Lori. And Jean and Lori work together with So That, and they do some different kinds of retreats and experiences together, and I'll let her talk about that a little bit later. She is an integrative coach and a trauma-sensitive yoga teacher. Her background is in teaching, and so we're going to find out a little bit about the body-soul connection in the midst of this episode. So tell us a little bit about how you met Lori Proctor to start out with. Let's start with that. So we were in a story group. I had gone to a Listen to My Life retreat, and I started unpacking my story, and I came home, and I realized I needed help. I felt like I took this box out from under my bed and I got home and I tried to put the lid on it and it wouldn't fit. And so I I either needed to burn it or get some co-journeyers. And um, that is when I expressed a need for support to do a story group and do get some people to help me engage a little more in my story. And so I reached out to my friend Julie Puccio, who had done it prior. And um, she said Jen Moat was thinking about starting a group. And so um, those two girls started connecting and getting the ball rolling. And I met Lori Proctor in that process of journeying through our stories together. And so what has grown out of that connection with Lori? Oh, my goodness. I would just say that group is where I really learned about community, authentic community, where I was able to be seen fully in light of who God made me to be. And that really has set me on track with my calling. So after we finished the initial one-year journey through our stories, um, I felt called to keep going. I was made aware of trauma that I didn't know I was holding in my body and that was affecting my progress forward. And so both Lori and I started training with Dr. Dan Allender in the um, lay leader certification on grief and trauma. And so as we started engaging our stories together, we got deeper and deeper into a place of calling and really feeling called to help people engage their story, not just flying over it, but really entering in and sitting in those places where shame might have taken root and lies have been... um, blocking the light of God. So when did you start getting involved doing yoga and teaching yoga? So when I had my second son, I was having tremendous pain. So that's when I started yoga. I I had a really hard labor with my first son. And so as I was moving towards labor, I was extremely anxious. And so somebody recommended trying yoga. So I found a yoga teacher who taught me how to breathe and relieve some of the pain in my body. And I realized how badly I needed it. I um, 
I struggle with emotional imbalance and the and just the kids and the needs. It it kind of put me in a place of, of dysregulation. And what I found was that the yoga was so helpful for moving the tension that my body had been holding for so long. And it connected me to the breath. And that's really how I experienced the Holy Spirit. And so um, for me, the the practice of moving and breathing mindfully is my lifeline. It is my direct connection to God. And it is the way that um, I find peace and balance in the world. And it is my hope that I can bring that into the world. So what does your spiritual heritage look like? What did you grow up with in terms of your view of God? Well, I went to a Catholic school and I grew up and I would say just the the message of guilt, shame, repent, like, you know, sin, guilt, repent. Like there was, there wasn't a lot of grace and it, I didn't know God's big art overarching story and, and, um, just the intimate nature of his love growing up. I just knew that I was a sinner and <laughs> I better work really hard um, to be good. So you really had to reframe your picture of God and how he sees you and how you see him. And Absolutely. What started you on that journey? Oh, goodness. Um, I went to a retreat when I was in high school. I went to a Catholic high school, but I didn't see Christ in the in the teachers, in the community. I was far from God. And I went on a Kairos retreat, and in that, in those rooms where they mixed us up, I was mad. They took us away from our friends, and it was a room, much like my story group, where people were telling the truth. And people that I had labeled and judged as this or that and put in their little compartments were all coming together, and all the masks were gone, and we were just people, and we were sharing our story, and it changed something in me. It was my first taste of community, and I knew that there was more than I had known up until that point. Hmm. So you sensed God in the midst of the community. Could you have named it at that point in time that that's what you were experiencing? I don't think I even had a language. I just know that I felt seen and I felt connected in a way that I hadn't previously. Mm. So there's clearly some progression in your spiritual life between those pieces. What would you say are some of the significant points of, of just connection with God or growing connection with God or realization that, that there was more to this story than what you knew? Hmm. That's a good question. I, I guess there was a seed planted when I went on that retreat, um, but unfortunately I came home and um, nobody was there to receive me. So it was like the seed that was scattered on concrete. I, I felt like it kind of blew away and I went into college and I kind of, I didn't pay much mind to that seed that was planted. And it wasn't until after I graduated college and I was making my transition into teaching special ed and I had a breakdown. I really was so anxious about stepping into the world. That transition just kind of leveled me and I found myself again in a place of imbalance and um, there's one story that um, I call it my Jesus in a thrift store story. I was kind of a little lost and confused and 
I remember going in the city into a thrift store and finding two things, a book called I Am Your Jesus of Mercy, and it was a book where people were writing letters to God, and they were young girls, like on retreat, and and God was speaking back through the writing. So writing has really been a theme in my story of how I access and help other people access the presence of God. And it was that idea that there is a God who is so present that if I write a prayer to him, he just might respond as I write back. So that was like one Thing. And the other thing was I found a, a picture of Jesus that still is right on my altar where I pray and meditate each day. And it was the sacred heart of Jesus. And so what was most prominent in the picture was his heart that was just, it was both bloodied and radiant and bright. And it just seemed to hold the paradox of the story of the Jesus I needed in that moment. And it, you know, I just, I walked away from that day saying, okay, God, I see that you see me here and I will, I will seek after you. And so I think that started my real walking toward oh my gosh I'm all choked up thinking about you finding that picture in a thrift store I know (laughs) yeah encounters with Jesus Mm -hmm. happen in some surprising places yeah there's such beauty to that so what about yoga okay so after I started after I had my second son and I had um, some imbalance I was I knew that I needed to keep finding that quiet that I experienced and I needed to keep accessing that breath and I needed a teacher. So I just, I started going once a week at first and I found that that stillness is something that my soul was longing for, something that I didn't know how to create during the day. It was less the movement than the Shavasana at the very end. They invite us to stillness and just to breathe and to rest. And I, and I think that that's what my soul was most longing for. So I, I started practicing, I started apprenticing, I learned how, how to use yoga as a spiritual pathway, but also um, trauma-sensitive yoga, how yoga really heals you because your body is telling a story. And oftentimes we're running so fast or we're so shut down that we can't hear the story the body is telling. But what happens in yoga is you start to come present. I mean, really, that's the number one thing is you start to feel your feet on the floor and you start to rest and it's, you get the feeling of coming home. And in that place of stillness, God speaks. And as you connect to the breath, it's actually God moving in you and through you. And it's kind of sinking you and orienting you to the truth and to the present moment. And then the physicality of the practice is where we're able to release burdens that we don't even know we're holding. You know, we hold so much tension in our body, and these postures are are specifically designed to help release and relinquish. So the poses have counter poses. So if you stand in a strong pose, you're accessing the power of God. And then there's another pose where you have to surrender, where you're learning to relinquish and trust and be held. You're talking about things that a lot of Christians have not seen yoga that way. Say a few words about that. Yeah, it's interesting. When I first knew that I, I needed to bring yoga forward, I I was in a Bible study, and I, I really felt attacked by some of the questions and accusations and, and misconceptions that, that these people who were further along in their faith than I was, but they really judged what I found, where I found God. And I, and I got so defensive at first. And I remember talking to Sybil and, and she said, Jean, 
any time that somebody challenges you in this area, you are being invited to bring truth and the light of God. And that invitation was so good because I could see the fear in people's faces underneath the accusation. And yoga does have its roots in the Middle East. And and so there's a confusion there that yoga is a religion or yoga, you know, will lead you in some wrong direction. But what's helpful to know, as I've studied, I've studied quite extensively how the Bible and some of the sacred teachings of yoga really peer pair up. And the the one truth that is so important is the student will gain union with the deity on which their heart is set. So if if somebody knows that Jesus is their Lord, then their heart is set. And so so in the Bible it says that they may be one as me and the Father are one. And really that's what yoga is. Yoga means to yoke or to join together. It's the process of having union with your mind, your body, and your heart sinking up through the sacred breath to the source of all life. And so as long as you know who your source is, you have nothing to fear. And so really, and anybody who practices yoga, what they believe they're going to draw closer to because that's just the nature of the union. And Jean, I've sat you know, in your classes and more of a secular class. And I've seen you in a retreat experience that was faith-based and you do a beautiful job of inviting people, um, towards God, um, in just this invitational way. And as you said earlier, like presence, presence is one of your gifts, Mm -hmm. I think. And that is so evident when you're guiding people, you know, in this pathway. And so, uh, but it's hard to do, uh, and balance and be able to address people's concerns. Cause I've seen it too. I've been with you in a retreat and you can see people's concerns, but you just gently and beautifully and honestly say, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about maybe what you're scared of or what your questions are. Yes. I remember, um, doing yoga with you and you had us set up, um, in a circle and in some of the balance poses, you we need a focal point and putting that is it that picture yes of jesus yes (laughs) that you referenced earlier in the center and inviting us to use that as our as our focal point as we balanced and um and i i i have done yoga before but i had not done it with someone that was specifically pointing us toward jesus Mm. and it was it was a it, it i have experienced that that yoga is is a way for me to gear down mm. and to get calm and um the place where i have most recently gone it's a very dark room with a black floor and everybody kind of piles out really fast after after it's all done and i'll lay there for 20 minutes mm. as long as they'll let me basically <laughs> sometimes mm. <laughs> before the next class comes in because i the yoga helps me to get to that space of calm where I can just be present with God and see if he has anything he wants to say, because I can go through a day and not give him a chance to get a word in edgewise sometimes. (laughs) And that's, and he created us body, mind, and heart. I mean, scripture says that. And so I too remember, you know, 
you know, I, I, I got it with my head. I knew the Bible stories. You know, I became a place in my faith walk where I got it with my heart, but I had no idea there was this whole other aspect to explore and not just with yoga, but with other ways of engaging in prayer and um, faith experiences that used my body. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay. I want to go back and ask you a question about something you said that's very related here is you said your body's telling a story. If my body was telling me a story, someone might ask, how would I know? That's a good question. You have to be still enough and quiet enough to listen. And there is a practice of stopping, which feels terrifying if you're used to running. But if your child is trying to tell you something and you're running, you'll never get the story. You'll never be able to to hear them and help them. And I think in some ways our bodies are crying for us to stop and listen. And the only way to hear the story is to stop and listen truly. And sometimes it's like cleaning out a closet where it gets worse before it gets better. And so some people will say, well, I tried it. I don't like yoga because it's uncomfortable. And so it's not just about physically stopping, but it's learning to still the, the fluctuations in the mind. The mind, even if your body is still, your mind might not be present. And that means you're not hearing the story. So it's really about not only stopping the physical body, but resting the mind on the breath in the body. And the breath is the spirit, and the spirit will take you into those places. Oftentimes, the heart needs care. The heart needs to be heard and listened to. But often our hearts have suffered such pain and loss that they're shut down. So it takes some practice of slowing and stopping. But the good thing about the breath is it, it's, it's mostly gentle and kind. And it's, it's not going to ram you into a corner. It's going to slowly unwrap and unravel so that you can process slowly and gently. Okay, but yet... If my body was telling me a story, how would I know? What might I sense? In oh, my that's body? a good, good question. Okay, I was kind of missing it. No, no, um, no. I love what you had to say, but I didn't want to let go of the question before. Okay, so for instance, oftentimes when I work with people one to one, they come because they're in pain physically. So one of the ways that the body will speak is there will be pain and dis ease. So the body will whisper and gently talk to you, but if you don't listen, it will eventually start shouting. And um, anxiety, that's how my body has been speaking to me. My heart races. And typically, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to stop. But what I'm finding is that my racing heart is my body's cry for care. It's my heart's way of saying, I have some grief that I need you to hold and relinquish. So the heart racing, that's one way that the body will get your attention. Some people have a lot of stomach issues. So your body holds your gut intelligence. Oftentimes we, we distrust our bodies. We don't listen to our gut. And so we become dysregulated and disintegrated. And so a lot of people have major stomach issues. And that's one way of saying there's something a little out of whack here. And our bodies are quite prophetic. 
So if you're so disconnected from your body, you might not hear it. But once you stop with the intention of, okay, what's going on here? So just noticing what you're noticing. My mind is seven steps ahead. Okay, that's your body telling you that you need to slow down. And when you slow down and say, what's going on? The mind will unpack some of the data and underneath it, there is usually a truth, but we have to, we have to relinquish the energy draining distractions of the mind so that the story that the body is trying to communicate can be heard. So do you actually ask your body some questions at times or? Yes, I, I actually touch the places in my body that are hurting, you know, so like I said, for me, it, it presents a lot of times in anxiety in my racing heart. So I'll just hold my heart with kindness, like I would a small child who was scared. And I ask my heart, what is it that you need today? And then I'll often journal and write and try to process some of what the heart is, is trying to communicate. I remember a friend of ours showed up one night for um for a small group that we were hosting at our house uh, <laughs> and we didn't have small group that night but clearly it was exactly what needed to happen mm. and he was really in a lot of angst over some choices that needed to be made regarding his job and and all and i remember us sitting there having this conversation around our kitchen table and i asked him well that's a lot of words, but where are you noticing it in your body? And and he he basically right in his solar plexus. Mm-hmm. I said, if that part of your body was to speak, what would it say? He said, he said, run, mm. <laughs> you know, like get away from this situation that was so life draining. I said, well, if you told that part of your body that you're going to do this this job until you retire, what would it say? He said, I think I'd rather die. Wow. It was like, okay then, what would you like to do about your situation? And it was that progression of questions. Within the next few days, he had left his job trusting that God was going to provide something else because there was no option. His body was telling him there was no option for him to stay. Hmm. And I, I have gone through that process on numerous occasions with people, and it's amazing how quick they get to the it, you know, the, just the nut of, of what's really important. That It's almost like they won't allow themselves to speak out, but their body is already telling them. Absolutely. The body knows. And it's just giving that invitation and that space. I think people are afraid of what they might discover, but having another person kind of like with the story work, it's if somebody is there holding the space, I can go a little deeper and tell right. a little more of the truth. Uh, and, and the truth is exactly one of the questions. I, do you feel like your body is telling you the truth? Absolutely. And and people will always say, yes. It's like... <laughs> It's just an amazing connection in that in that space. So why is it that you think that many forms of Christianity are kind of disembodied 
they, they somehow or another we, we're not necessarily taught to pay attention well I think there's bodies, just a lot of shame associated with the body I mean growing up at a Catholic school you know they wanted to control and and tell you how to dress so there wasn't the freedom of expression even in in the clothes that we wore and um, I think historically um, and especially with women like women a lot of women have been abused because of the beauty that their body holds and so if you suffer harm embodied like even walking down the street and somebody whistling at you like that feeling of like I'm an object and so there is a lot of trauma and pain associated with being embodied because your body holds the glory of God and it is glorious and and it it draws people in and it and it when your body is fully alive and telling the truth it's captivating but unfortunately I think um in faith a lot of times there's control they want to control things in in organized places of faith and and the body is one of the places where we have been controlled and shut down. So to access the wisdom of the body, I think there's a lot of fear there. I think it's easier to go to the mind where there's doctrine than to really explore the beauty and the fullness of the story of the gospel that is embodied, which incorporates death and grief and suffering and loss and pain and betrayal. Yeah, and there aren't that many spiritual practices that we're taught many times that, that involve the body other than let's fold our hands to pray basically so our hands won't sin while we're trying to talk to God. <laughs> so I sad. had not thought about it that way. <laughs> you know, I mean, when, when, when you're a kid and you're taught to pray, I mean, it's basically so you don't, you're not doing something with people next to you and you're mm-hmm. <laughs> nudging or getting yourself into trouble, you know? And uh, it's kind of an interesting thing to have to sort out that paying attention to our body that God made is actually an important key to our spiritual life and connection with God. So this this body-soul connection is an area that you don't hear many people talking about in Christian circles. What what wisdom do you have for us to take some steps forward in experiencing these things more? Well, I think we as a culture are waking up. I think that there's a lot of positive movement within the church and in the world where people are learning to take a stand, to really embody more of who they were created to be. And I, I think that that would be just a simple practice that any person can do regardless of their faith or where they're at on their faith walk, regardless of what they do in their day, but to just stand in a way that is integrated, which means you're standing with a sense of presence, that knowing that in this moment you're standing on holy ground because in the moment God is here and there is peace. So I think one thing that we can do, no matter 
you know, where you practice it or how you practice it, I think learning to, to stand firm. You know, it says in the Bible that there is a, there's a battle going on, a spiritual battle, battle, and it talks about putting on the spiritual armor of God. So that's protecting your body, right? Protecting your heart, protecting your mind. And, you know, in order to put armor on, in order to protect our bodies, we have to know that our bodies are worth being protected. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a start to just know that you are worthy of embodying the glory of God. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, you have to stand firm. You have to stand firm on the truth that as you come present, it might feel scary. It might feel overwhelming, but God is here. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And so I think learning to stand in a way where you're noticing that your feet are on solid ground. And really grounding into the, the earth below you, knowing that, that the very same energy that created this beautiful world that causes the sun to rise and fall is here and now. And so as you take a stand, you're connecting to the source of everything. And that is very empowering. And so I think like just to stand firm and to, to be present in a way that that you know you're connected to God. I think that mm-hmm. if that was one thing that every person did, it would change their reality in some way. Mm-hmm. But it's not just that we're standing on solid ground, but we're also connected to heaven. Mm-hmm. So there's this idea in yoga of right effort. It's 50% strength. So it's this embodying the physicality. And it's 50% surrender. It's connecting union, yoking, joining yourself with the spirit and the breath. So if you consider a mountain, a mountain is both strong and solid and immovable, but it's also majestic and reaching all the way into heaven. And that's kind of the embodiment that I think is a good starting point, to be able to sit like a mountain and stand like a mountain. So in yoga, they call that a posture, samastidhi, or even standing. So it's learning to have evenness in our being, that whether you have this to do or that to do, right in the center, God is here. And whether you're feeling crushed by the weight of things or feeling like you're floating away because all you have to do, that if you can just come present, that God is both holding you and elevating you at the same time. So it's this idea of choosing to come present Mm. to the physicality Mm. and to take a stand, to stand firm. So standing firm and standing tall, I'm hearing, and then being still. Like, is there anything else you would add to that, Jean? You know, one of the things that I think is so important is connecting to the breath. Mm. So not just physically standing, but being aware of the life that is being breathed into you. There is the energy of spirit that is always here. And so mm-hmm. learning to cultivate a pause mm-hmm. and to just shift your awareness to your breath, it changes everything because it's like you become infused. You become mm-hmm. filled with the spirit of God. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a receiving in all of those things, I think, Jean, as you, I hear you talking. There's a receiving of the spirit. There's a receiving of his presence. Um, There's a receiving of the stillness. Yeah, so if you think of the word present, Mm -hmm. it's a gift. Mm -hmm. In this moment, we have everything we need. Mm -hmm. 
but we have to unwrap it. So when, when um, Jesus left this earth, he said, you're going to have trouble, Mm -hmm. but don't worry. I'm giving you a gift. And he gave us the spirit. Mm -hmm. And so the spirit is here. Yeah. You know, the, the breath is the presence of the living God. Mm -hmm. And and we are called to receive it. We are called to slow down and allow that light, that Mm -hmm. presence, the love of God to expand in our Mm -hmm. inner being. Mm Mm-hmm. And to pause and to rest and to abide in this beautiful presence. And then with each exhale, you're being invited to release. It's not just receiving. We have to know how to lay down our burdens, to know what your body is holding, what your heart is holding, what your mind is holding, and then to just keep releasing it. And I love to just send it away with the breath. Just let the Holy Spirit carry it away. You know, that uh, it reminds me of in the Chronicles of Narnia in the movie um, when the spirit is traveling, uh, it, it's like a breeze mm-hmm. and it takes it takes a bunch of magnolia petals off of a tree and almost takes almost human form as it as it moves. And and it that was an interesting way to personify in the imagination the spirit's movement mm-hmm. and this this ability to receive and to breathe out and to send and and to send blessing Mm -hmm. as well and all but there's a there's a a piece of something that happened right before we started um recording and i had asked jean if she wanted to introduce herself and she noticed that that she says oh i'm feeling a little anxious about introducing myself and i said no problem and i and but you noticed and when when you when you said that you put your hand on your heart almost like I wonder if if your heart was racing a little bit and you listened and you said what what it was that was that was bringing you anxiousness which was something we could care for you in without any problem yes but that body that your body gave you a clue that you paid attention to and so many times I think when my body gives me a clue, I might be too busy to notice or sometimes to notice that, that, that clue, like God tapping you on the shoulder almost and saying, Hey, I want you to notice something here. And what if our body was seen as a, as a way that the spirit is helping us to notice and then actually have a, open a conversation with God over it. Like, Lord, I'm feeling I'm feeling this this sensation in my stomach, and what what do you want me to notice here? And that is a beautiful gift, a beautiful invitation to prayer, to really be present with what is. Mm-hmm. Just that the, there's so many clues present right here in and, us. But the other thing that Jean did in that, I mean, I know this is a really simple example, but I noticed it too, Sharon, is you were courageous enough then to speak that out loud. Right. And that, I mean, for me, I know your story. There's healing and getting to the point where you can name out loud. This is how I'm feeling coming into this moment. You named it. And then you asked for what you needed. I mean, very simple things there, but very profound, um, you know, in terms of your story. Absolutely. And, And that is part of the work of yoga, of being able to be present with instead of running from the clues, Mm -hmm. the truth that the body is holding, and then standing firm in the power of God and knowing that 
God has given us a voice to speak out, you know, on behalf of first ourselves and then those that we see and, and care for. Hmm. So what suggestions you might, might you have for our listeners on how to investigate this a little bit more fully? So there are so many options that I know it could be a little overwhelming. So I would say to just um, try a class and notice, you know, there are certain teachers, certain voices that resonate with you and others that won't. So I guess I would encourage you to just give it a try and then also to trust your gut. So trust, like if it doesn't feel right, then that doesn't mean that yoga is not for you. It just might mean that this is not the right teacher. One um, option is there is an online yoga class called Yoga Glow, G-L-O, dot com. And you can try a 15-day trial, and there's all different teachers, and you can customize your class. So that would be a good, safe way to try it at home. And, oh, like I want to do a 15-minute class to help me relax. So you can kind of customize, and that gives you a sense of what you're, what you're needing or what you're knowing. Um, I think learning to meditate is really important. The whole reason why yoga came was the physical postures are to prepare the mind for meditation. So often we're so physically wound up that we cannot still the mind. Um, So the physical, maybe you want to go out for a run to unwind the body, but then would you just practice listening and noticing what the story that's going on in your mind? So that's really what meditation is. It's learning to quiet the mind. So that underneath all the chatter, you can hear the still, small voice of love. Um, And so I also do coaching where I'll work one-to-one with people to help them unpack the story that their body is holding and telling. And so um, if you want to contact me, I would be happy to give you a private um, one-on-one free strategy session where we can kind of see what might be best for you because everybody's a little different and people come in with different things and um, but just give it a try go ahead and move your body with awareness that the breath is carrying the spirit of the living God and get really curious in your practice and just trust that God will lead you to that next step mm, that's beautiful now we didn't get into this but you're a trauma-sensitive yoga teacher. So what might people expect from a trauma-sensitive yoga teacher? So I do like story groups where people are being invited into their stories of trauma and harm. But in order to do that, it's important that you can be present with yourself because opening up stories of harm is really scary and could be dangerous if you're not first grounded in the truth of who you are. So a trauma-sensitive yoga teacher is going to invite people to learn skills of presence, to learn how to, before you start getting into your trauma, that you can learn to just be present with yourself and curious with yourself. You know, a lot of times where there's trauma, there has been a lack of attunement, a lack of care. There has been... um, a disintegration. We leave our bodies in trauma. So in order to come back into our bodies and tell our stories, it often feels like a re-traumatization. So a trauma-sensitive yoga teacher is going to teach you practices of self-care. And always 
remind you that you have the power to choose because where there's trauma, there's often not a lot of choice and not a lot of power. So one of the ways that, you know, a trauma sensitive teacher is going to help is going to give you that constant reminder that if it doesn't feel good, don't do it. Listen to your body. Trust its wisdom. Go slowly. Mm, That's beautiful. So how might people get in touch with you? And is there anything you want to invite them into? So please visit our website at www.sothat.com. Spell that. S-O-W-T-H-A-T. And we are starting a couple of story groups in the beginning of the year. So if you want to try a story group, you can do that. And then um, I have yoga classes on Friday mornings in downtown Barrington at Nirvana Yoga Studio where you can... Barrington, Illinois. Yes, Barrington, Illinois. Thank you. And um, But I would love to talk with you about a free strategy session where you can kind of see what how I can recommend going forward and do some coaching with you or at least help refer you to somebody else who might be able to help you. And so if you go on to that sothat.com, you can um, put a request in for a free strategy session and then either Lori or I will call you and we can help you get plugged into places where you can start to attune to your body in a way that connects you to the spirit of God. And also spiritual direction, so they could contact yes. you if they're looking for a spiritual director. Yes, so I do spiritual direction too. So I kind of incorporate all of the things together. Mm-hmm. So usually there's a lot of listening and a lot of practices, quieting the mind, using journal and art. There's all different things that we can incorporate to help you integrate and become a little more whole and grounded in your story. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for being with us. This is Jean Masukovich, and she is the co-founder of So That, a spiritual director, a trauma-sensitive yoga teacher, and so much more, and a friend. Mm-hmm. Joan Kelly, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, what a great session together. Ah, Jean, your blessing. Thank, Thank you. you so much. So if you thought this topic was intriguing about this body-soul connection, Jean has taught us a moving prayer that we have treasured and taught to others along the way. And we're going to record Jean leading us through that moving meditation. And we're going to put it over on Patreon. Now, Patreon is where we put our audio meditations that are thank you gifts for those who support the work of One Life Maps and the One Life Maps podcast Um, through Patreon for a $5 or more per month donation. So that's patreon.com forward slash one life maps. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash one life maps. So if you want to go over there and um, become a patron, you'll be able to hear the moving meditation. So we'd love to have you join us there. And thank you so much for considering this. And I hope you have a wonderful week and hopefully we'll have you join us again next week on the one life mass podcast have you thought i don't know myself anymore have you wondered is there something more are you at a crossroads in life and asking which way will lead me toward expressing more of who i am made to be are you looking for a way to understand the restlessness you feel inside are you seeking a deeper spiritual life 
and desire to rediscover who you are through God's eyes. You're ready for the life mapping experience of Listen to My Life. Go to onelifemaps.com to purchase your portfolio of visual life maps. While you're there, check out our upcoming virtual coaching groups, live workshops, and options for you to facilitate the Listen to My Life experience with others. That's onelifemaps.com. O-N-E-L-I-F-E-M-A-P-S dot com.